As you've probably heard by now, we've teamed up with BetMGM this season. We'll be using BetMGM lines to make all of our picks, and we'll have special offers for our listeners each week. If you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC, and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic, plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager with BetMGM. Here's how it works. Download the BetMGM app and sign up using bonus code THEATHLETIC. Make your first deposit of at least $10, place your first bet on any game, and claim your voucher for a one-year subscription to The Athletic. See BetMGM.com for terms. U.S. promotional offers not available in D.C., Mississippi, New York, Nevada, Ontario, or Puerto Rico. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Available in the U.S. Call 877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY 467-369 in New York. Call 1-800-NEXT-STEP in Arizona. 1-800-327-5050 in Massachusetts. 1-800-BETS-OFF in Iowa. 1-800-270-7117 for confidential help in Michigan. 1-800-981-0023 in Puerto Rico. First bet offer for new customers only in partnership with Kansas Crossing Casino and Hotel. Don't forget, if you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic, plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager. High in the air, Brito back at the wall, adios, Pelota! That's the type of manager that I'd like to be, which is the same every day. They know what they're going to get. They're going to get energy. They're going to get accountability. They're going to get structure, and they're going to get support. And I'm going to bring those things to the dugout in the clubhouse regularly. It takes hard work, uh, and it takes humility, taking one step forward at a time, making one good baseball move after another. And I really feel like that's how we're going to get where we hope and intend to go. You're listening to Bags and Brisby on Athletic Podcast Network. Welcome to... Episode 168 of the Bags and Brisby podcast. I am Grant Brisby. I'm here with Andy Baggerly. Andy, 168 total bases for Maddie Alou in 1962. The last of those total bases was a single in the ninth inning of the last game of the regular season. Why in the world would I pick that as uh, my little my little Easter egg? Because you want to have a stupid and pedantic argument over whether the 1962 <laughs> three-game series that t- broke a tiebreaker between the Dodgers and Giants counted as a postseason series. On the one hand, it was a postseason series because they were playoffs. It was a playoff series. On the other hand, those games counted as regular season games. So how could it be postseason when they count as part of the season? Guess what? It doesn't matter whether the dress is white or blue or brown. Just enjoy the baseball games and stop stop yapping at me on Twitter about this. Come on. we got more important things to do. That is one of the silly arguments. I, I, I just can't really care about it. But uh, I bring it up because, yes, the Giants and the Dodgers are playing for uh, not a couple of the marbles, not a handful of the marbles. They are playing for all of the marbles. One of them is going to go home sad. One of them is going to move on to the NLCS, and we're all going to die. I actually found myself, and I'm not supposed to really root for anything other than a good story. And to be honest, Dodgers-Giants is the way better story than Giants-Cardinals would have been. And yet, and yet, (laughs) as I was watching that game while preparing dinner in the kitchen on my iPad, I found myself really rooting for the Cardinals. And I, 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 I'm just being very, very honest here. And I think I think it was because 
I don't know if I'm emotionally ready to handle the vitriol and the the nastiness and, and the negativity that's going to come from both sides in this series. I mean, it's not going to be one of those fun, oh, ha, 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 go get them old sport uh, deals. You're going to deal with some really nasty, ugly people out there over this uh, over this series, and you got to try to tune them out as best you can uh, and, and obviously not be one of them. Um, and, and I was kind of like, well, if it's Cardinals, it's just going to be another postseason series. But with Dodgers, it's like... I'm not sure if I'm mentally ready for this. It is going to be bonkers. It is, yeah, I mean, it's just everything is heightened. And, it, you know, I am not supposed to root for the teams and, and things like that as well. I am rooting for stories. Uh, and people don't believe me when I say that, but in general, like, I'm rooting for stories. But there's a workaround in that if the Giants get to the World Series and win the World Series, that's better for me and my writing. It's better for my career. It's better in like 70 different ways. So I get to root for that as well. And I just saw the Cardinals as a much better matchup in a 100 different ways. And you saw it last night. They're bringing out TJ McFarland's left-handed emporium in, in, in the eighth inning. They've got Alex Reyes in his, you know, where's the slider going to go? Who knows? You know, that kind of pitching in the, in the ninth inning. Like, they were just a weaker team. And I get that they won 17 straight, and that's amazing. But they were they were a weaker team. The Dodgers, even without Max Muncy, even without Clayton Kershaw, are just a really, really fantastically strong team. I think of it as TJ McFarland's Aren't You Glad It's Tuesday Irish Eatery and Emporium. <laughs> okay, personally. Fair enough. Personally. Fair enough. And it's it's located right next to Charlie Morton's Steakhouse. Um, <laughs> go there on Times Square. It's great. You'll have a wonderful time. Tip your server as well. Um, yeah, no, I agree. I think that the fact that the Cardinals were very right-handed, and we know that two of those right-handed bats are named Goldschmidt and Arenado, but you can even pitch to those guys. And you saw how the Dodgers brought out tons of different looks. They took out Scherzer early. Um, you know, they, they had no qualms going to their bullpen. And, you know, uh, the Cardinals could have done uh, the, uh, the, Do- the Giants a solid and at least taken this thing to extra innings so Julio Urias would have to be used a little bit. Uh-huh. But uh, but that didn't happen. So um, yeah, you, you sort of could kind of put the Giants in the spots the Dodgers were used and be like, okay, yeah, I could see that being the inning where Dom Leone shuts him down. I could see that being the inning where um, uh, Jose Alvarez strands the runner. I mean, the Cardinals, I think, what, got, were 0, and 10, 0 for 10 with runners in scoring position. You know, they're not the same, you know, waves upon waves of scariness that the Dodgers lineup brings at you. And that's a lineup that, that is going to be without Max Muncie, which is even scarier. And he had eight home runs against the Giants, who gave up the fewest home runs in, in the major leagues. So, um, you know, that's that's a big loss. Those are two big pieces off the chessboard. Muncie for the Dodgers, Belt for the Giants. But, yeah, I agree. The Cardinals just would have, just from a baseball standpoint, been a better matchup for them. But they also know the Dodgers very well. They, they uh, clearly can play toe-to-toe with them. They have. Uh, they also needed a little bit of luck to uh, be able to win the season series. And, um, you know, it's... it's, uh, it's <laughs> Anything can happen between these two teams, but I think the Dodgers, and and even Andrew Friedman said it, we feel like we're the more talented and the better team. And I don't know if anyone would really disagree with that if they were to make an honest assessment. And yet the Giants have found a way to close every gap and and turn every every play, every pitch, every game into a a pretty even tug-of-war. And the tug-of-war is about to begin. I think what you see with uh, the unbalanced schedule is that divisional opponents have just so much information on each other. And that's how you get the Padres coming in and still making the Giants sweat a little bit, still taking a game here and there because they just have so much information. I mean, I know that the Giants waxed the Diamondbacks and and they did their thing against the Rockies. And so uh, more information 
doesn't help if you if you don't have the talent. But I, it feels like even in the bad seasons, the Giants play up to the Dodgers a little bit because they're just they're more prepared. They're better prepared. And that's what makes this season or this series so fascinating is that the these teams know each other. They know each other backwards and forwards. They know each other because they know each other how, or they know how each other thinks. Uh, you've got Zaidi and Kapler coming from the Dodgers organization. There are no mysteries. It's just going to be like it's so intense in the minutia and the focus is going to be there. I, I just can't imagine a better matchup. That just doesn't mean it's not stressful, though. Oh, for sure, for sure. And you know what? The Dodgers could have won a lot more games than they did, and so could the Giants. I mean, there are two stats that that jump out to me when I look at their record. The Giants lost 55 games. That's it, 55 games. Ten of them, they were walked off on the road. So that means they were right in... 10 of those games that, that, that flipped the wrong way for them. And we know they got lucky in a lot of other games and a lot of other ways. You, you don't win that many games without having some good fortune on your side. The Dodgers won 106 games, plus one against the Cardinals. Now they're at 107. Their record in extra inning games, do you know what it is? Uh, it was bad. It was something like 4-12 and 12 or something. Yeah, you're close. 6-13. and 6-13. and 13. So remember, all of those outcomes happened with the automatic runner on second base. And... I think that's had kind of a leveling effect, and that is going away now. And they're not going to have that automatic runner on second base. And I think that plays to the giant uh, to the Dodgers' advantage in, in in a couple ways. One, obviously, it hasn't worked out to them to this point. Nineteen games is a small sample, but this is a team that had a six fifty winning percentage, and they went six and thirteen with extra innings. So you could you could make an argument that you know they don't like the automatic runner on second base they can start their own rallies a lot easier than their opponents can and maybe even you know have a guy who 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 pops a homer to win the game uh if you get in a homer hitting competition in extra innings which they often become uh the Dodgers can can beat most teams they go against you know, the Giants obviously hit more homers than they did though the other thing is that this kind of hampers the Giants a little bit you are relatively sure if you get in an extra inning game it's going to be over in the 10th if not the 10th, probably the 11th. If not the 11th, pretty much most definitely the 12th. I mean, there no games really went too deep. So you didn't have to have that fear of God in you to start deploying your bench in the fifth inning, to start using your relievers in a way where you didn't have to preserve. And we know that that's how the Giants operate. And, and they won a game with Kevin Gossman coming off the bench because they ran out of players hitting a sack fly to win it. So there's going to be a little bit more pause there, I think, uh, from Gabe Kapler, from that coaching staff, to maybe be as aggressive as they were in the regular season because you don't know. You could end up in an 18-inning marathon, like, uh, and, and you don't even have Brandon Belt to win it for you. So um, it's going to be interesting to see how those dynamics will play out because that's, that's a significant change. Looking for an assist with your credit card but can't get a hold of anyone? Luckily, with 24-7 U.S.-based live customer service from Discover, Everyone has the option to talk to a real person anytime, day or night. Yep, you heard that right. You can talk to a real human and customer service at any time. Sounds like a real game changer if you ask us. Make the right call and get the service you deserve with Discover. Limitations apply. See terms at discover.com slash credit card. Looking for an assist with your credit card but can't get a hold of anyone? Luckily, with 24-7 U.S.-based live customer service from Discover, everyone has the option to talk to a real person anytime, day or night. Yep, you heard that right. You can talk to a real human and customer service anytime. Sounds like a real game changer if you ask us. Make the right call and get the service you deserve with Discover. Limitations apply. See terms at discover.com slash credit card.
I'm looking at the different roster permutations and, and who might make it, who might not. And it, that possibility to me is why you have to have a Johnny Cueto. Just you have to have someone who can give you four innings, five innings in a pinch, not just for the beginning of the game in case someone has a disaster of a start, but maybe toward the end of a game. Maybe you have a typical game. You have a Gossman go six. You have Leon and, and Rogers and Duvall and you're setting it up the way and it just keeps going and it just keeps going, and then you need to have that Yasmira Petit. Okay, just take us the rest of the way, Johnny. You might have that, and so I think that that's why Johnny Cueto has to be on the, uh, the roster. Yeah, that's a good point, and it also makes me think that's why they're going to probably have 13 pitchers and 13 position players, and you know that's not set in stone, and that, that could change, but um, it, it'd be hard for me to see them leaving off a Littell, a Curvin Castro, or Johnny Cueto, and uh, I think the only way you can keep all three is if you have 13 uh, pitchers. So, um, you know, that that may make for some tough news for a position player or two. Uh, and it, it may mean that uh, there's one less opportunity to pinch hit or to pinch run for somebody or, uh, you know, to double switch. So, um, you know, the Giants are going to have to rely on, I think, maybe some people coming through when they don't have um, the ideal matchup. And that's something that uh, they haven't had to rely on a lot this season. Uh, but you know what? We got a recent uh, Lamont Wade Jr. walk off uh, off a lefty. Um, wasn't exactly scalded, but uh, won a game. So you know, it's it's uh, it's definitely possible. And um, uh, yeah, it's mostly I'm just like, oh, this is going to be bananas, isn't it? It is going to be wild. I mean, it's it's all these different permutations. And then I, I think a huge wild card that we're not even talking about is what's up with Jake McGee. I mean, that's a pretty important cog to the bullpen. And if you're not sure that he's 100%, um, can you really, you know, put him on the roster? I mean, what do the Giants need to see from him on the side in order to get him on the roster and feel good about putting him in his first action in weeks in the middle of a, of a tight game in the NLDS? Yeah, I watched his live BP the other day, um, and he faced Donovan Solano and, you know, didn't have any radar readings or anything um, on him. But uh, he said he felt good. He said he felt fairly unrestricted. Um, you're right. I think they wanted to get him an inning in the regular season, but they also warmed him up on the Saturday and didn't want to use him on the Sunday for that reason. Uh, and they, they didn't also want to throw somebody in there uh, for basically the, the most important inning of the year to, to button it up, even though it was 11-4. to 4. Um, They didn't want to risk anything, so they put Dom Leone out there. And that means that uh, you know they have a little bit of an X factor with, with Jake McGee, and they also know they have options on other people they can turn to. So... Yeah, there's there's just a little bit of uncertainty in, in in a bullpen that's posted the best ERA in the regular season. So, um, you know, it's I think it's going to be really important for for Logan Webb to get off to a good start, for Kevin Gossman to get off to a good start. Um, you know, we know that now that it's the Dodgers, the likelihood is it'll be the lefty Alex Wood probably in Game Three. They haven't said that yet. They could use an opener for him. Who knows? Uh, but uh, it's just going to be really important for the Giants to not be playing from behind, I think, uh, in, in this series, which is you're facing the Dodgers, so that that's a big ask. One thing that I, I, I think about a lot is how the Giants and Dodgers really wrapped up most of their season series early. Um, they had that, that series in early September, but the Dodgers really haven't seen the weaponized Logan Webb. They have seen Camilo Duvall, but just briefly. You know, they, they've seen Kervin Castro just briefly. These teams have met, 
but the last time when they were doing the bulk of the meeting, like Mike Talkman was in everybody's face. I mean, that's how different the roster is. Mauricio Dubon uh, played against the Dodgers a lot this year. It's they're different teams. Is that going to be a factor when you know we're talking about the best versions of these two rosters right now? Yeah, that's a really good point. And, and you know, you look at the Giants this season, and they had thirteen uh, sweeps uh, of opponents. Uh, 13 series sweeps, and they were only swept twice, and both times they were swept were by the Dodgers. In, in um, one was a two-game series, and, and one was a three-game series in San Francisco that kind of, you know, quote-unquote restored order in the division, as some people wrote at the time. Uh, but um, yeah, it's it, it that that seems like a long time ago, and the Dodgers are not an appreciably different team. They they don't have Clayton Kershaw, they don't have Max Muncie, but they still have a ton of ways that they can beat you. They throw so much, you know, filth at you out of the bullpen from all different angles. Um, and I think the Giants are, are a little bit different now. They've got, uh, you know, Lamont Wade Jr. was not a guy who was totally established uh, for most of those games early in the year. So, um, you know, one thing I think is going to be really interesting is is how do they think about Tyler Rogers versus the Dodgers? Because Tyler Rogers has gotten pretty darn tanned by by the Dodgers this season. And, and are they going to, and they've had a lot of looks at him. So, um, you know, how are they going to feel about putting him in, in leverage spots? And are they going to be a little more reticent? I, I don't think they will because they've been very, very consistent in, in saying how, um, you know, how much confidence they have in him. Uh, but uh, yeah, it'll be interesting to see when they pick the matchups for Tyler Rogers. I got an idea. This is Galaxy Brain. Uh, make him throw overhand for this series. Just totally blow their minds. Or have have a, have his twin brother secretly take his place. <laughs> yeah, this dude's throwing left-handed. What in the heck? I'm going to um, bring up the left-handed pinch hitter. And uh, wait, what? What? I am declaring I will throw left-handed, he says. Borrowing uh, Pat Vendee's glove. Uh, you know, another thing that is different and... It, you know, I'm not sure if I'm being just too skittish about this, but Cody Bellinger had one of the worst seasons from any player against any other team in baseball history against the Giants. He was worse against the Giants than almost any other player was against any other team in history. I don't trust that. I think that his uh, performance against the Cardinals, where he reached base twice, stole two bases, uh, you just can't expect him to be the worst player in the world. I know his shoulder has been bothering him all year, but that is a factor that might be different. So, you know, we're looking at, oh, Logan Webb's better, Lamont Wade is better, Camilo Duvall is uh, reliever of the month now. But what if, I mean, because you already have Betts, Seager, uh, Trey Turner, Justin Turner, Will Smith. That's a crazy uh, top five in a lineup. And if you can add a functional, a semi-functional Bellinger in there, that lineup is scary deep. Yeah, so two for 50. And also playing first base, he threw a ball basically into the upper third of the net. Uh, and, and and I still have Dave Fleming's call. Bellinger throws it so, so high. high. <laughs> it's so high. And every time I look at Cody Bellinger now, I'm, I'm going to think so high. That's all I'm going to think about. So it, was, it wasn't just high. He throws it away. It's so, so high. Are you kidding so, me? <laughs> so high. And that's how a game, that's how one of the 10 Giants victories ended. Uh, basically, it was very, very gift wrapped. So um, yeah, I, I don't think he's going to be playing much first base, but you look at him in center field and he's an asset out there i mean he's just so good and uh um you know and you look at uh at uh taylor and the catch that he made in um in in left field uh, of a topspin liner that was really tough uh uh to beat the cardinals i mean he contributed that as well so um i i don't think the whole story of cody bellinger versus the giants has been written yet i mean you could say that basically maybe none of it has been written if, if the most important part is yet to come but i agree with you i mean you know talent has a way of finding 
uh, finding a, a way to the surface. And, and it's been a very, very tough year for him. He basically has had massive, massive holes in his swing. And the Giants have been better than any other team at explo- exploiting those holes. But, um, you know, they're clearly he knows by now what they're going to do to get him out. And um, as they say, it's on him to adjust if he physically can. Uh, and, yeah, it, he's, yeah, exactly. He's not a roll-you-over um, automatic out, that's for sure. Uh, I will say that uh, part of me is incredibly bummed that there is no Max Muncy and Clayton Kershaw, uh, just because, you know, they're excellent players. You want both of these teams to be at full strength to get the best possible matchups. But saying that, those are two very specific Giants killers. I guess Kershaw has tailed off a little bit as he's gotten older. Uh, Max Muncy most certainly has not. Uh, That is a huge story. Uh, Like, you shouldn't root for injuries, but you can point them out when they happen. And man, is it a a different lineup with Max Muncy in there compared to what the Dodgers will have to to throw out there against uh, the, you know, Gossman Webb, Disclafani, the right-handers there. Yeah, no, I, I totally agree. I mean, the you know the Giants gave up uh, how many home runs they gave up this year? Um, I don't know. I'm going to look it up right now. The Giants gave up very, very few home runs. I say, stretching, stretching, <laughs> stretching, Vamp. loading, Vamp, loading the it. page. <laughs> um, they gave up uh, 151 home runs. Max Muncy hit eight of them. Mm. That's 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 a lot of home runs. That's that's eight about one fifty one. Max Muncy hit five point three percent of home runs hit against the Giants uh, in twenty twenty one. That's insane. Wow. <laughs> so wow. that's that's the that's the player who won't be available to play in this series. That's that's pretty good. Yeah, I mean, I, I guess Kershaw. Like I said, he's it's not the same as it used to be, but uh, Kershaw has beaten the Giants, has performed better against the Giants than almost. I, any pitcher has against another team in history. He's like the reverse Cody Bellinger, but for like years, decade. Uh, and so that is, I I still get scared when I think of uh, Cody or uh, Clayton Kershaw against the Giants. Uh, even in his advanced age, it just never seems to work out. And what this does is it leaves one Giants killer in the lineup, and uh, that would be Will Smith. Will Smith uh, has a 922 OPS in his career against the Giants. He is a guy the Giants just have not been able to get out in his whole career. Well, they always have someone. I think they, it's like a mushroom farm or something. It's like a warehouse <laughs> that's unmarked. It's, it's on the interstate, you know, and, and inside they're growing Kike Hernandez's and... and uh, oh, gosh. And, and and Austin Barnes's and people who are just going to haunt your dreams. Um, but yeah, there's always someone, right? And but that's the case for I think any any rivals. Um, but just especially in the in the Dodgers case, they find ways to to have particularly weaponized versions of them. Um, and yeah, I, I think it's too bad because Joaquin Arias was was down somewhere at home. He'd put his shoes and socks on and everything, and he was ready to walk out the door and sign <laughs> sign a ten day contract with the Giants to face Clayton Kershaw. And, and now it won't happen. Sorry, Joaquin. So do we know who the, the Giants version, like, who were the Dodgers scared of? Like, I, I guess it's so easy to focus on, uh, you know, the, the Giants killers. Are there Dodgers killers? Do we know that? It, I, like, it feels like we should know that, other than Mike Talkman. I kind of feel like Buster Posey is. I, I, I got to imagine that there's not a good feeling when Buster Posey's facing a Kenley Jansen. He's got a lot, a lot of success against him. Um but yeah, but I I don't know. It's it's not like the late night Lamont's got a lot of time against the Dodgers in his career. Um, I, I'm not sure if if there are any. Uh, that'd be a good question to ask uh, uh, Fabian Ardaya, our, our our Dodgers writer, or or maybe um, some Dodgers fans that that we would be able to trust. We could have a civil discourse with, um, and, and ask them, hey, who are, who are you afraid of? Because um, 
it, it doesn't seem like there's anyone who stands out as being a particular um, uh, Dodger killer. I feel like Austin Slater has had quite a bit of success against the Dodgers. Some of it's been against Kershaw. Um, but, uh, yeah, there's, there's nobody else who really kind of stands out. So I think I'd have to probably say Buster Posey. You know, I looked this up, uh, and I looked this up on StatHead. I did a little search for the splits, and uh, it's coming up top four, uh, Willie Mays. So let me just set that <laughs> set that to 2021. <laughs> it's like, oh, yeah, uh, Mel Ott does really well against him. Uh, let's see. Buster Posey has done uh, tremendous against them. He's had a 949 OPS against them. Lamont Wade, 1,040 OPS. Wilmer Flores has done good things against him. Brandon Crawford. Really, a lot of, of Giants have hit the, the Dodgers well this year. Kevin Gossman, 800 OPS. I mean, that's sustainable. Um, Mike, is- <laughs> Mike Estremski has struggled. Brandon Belt struggled all year against them. I mean, he wasn't healthy for a lot of that, and so nothing will change there, but uh, Darren Ruff struggled a lot against the Dodgers this year, so maybe they have a a little bit of a secret book on Darren Ruff, but for the most part, the players who were good all year were good against the Dodgers, and the Dodgers are, you know, scared of everyone, basically, just like the Giants fans are scared of everyone. Yeah, you know, um, in one of your pieces recently, you you brought up Chris Bryant, and uh, you brought up, hey, you know, what happened with Pablo Sandoval when he was their best player in 2009, and he basically ate himself out of being the third baseman down the stretch in 2010, and Bruce Bochy made that very difficult call uh, to go with, with the hotter hand, and that's how Edgar Renteria became, um, you know, the the shortstop, and, and Juan Uribe moved over to third base. Could the Giants be in that position with Chris Bryant? Because it has not looked very good. It has not looked good defensively either, anywhere they've put him. Um but I, I think they kind of have to roll with him at this point. And, and you have to hope that uh, that he's able to get some big hits against left-handed pitching and, and do what you acquired the guy to do and, and trust your evaluation. Um, because I, I don't know if they have a whole lot of other choices. I mean, Evan Longoria is also not going well, but he's such a, a defensive asset at third base. I don't think there's anyone who is remotely close to being able to do what he does at third base. And so I think he's probably going to be in the lineup. Uh, crazy as it was to see him hitting eighth for the first time in his career on the final homestand. But yeah, the, the Giants are going to have to make some tough calls, I think, in terms of playing time here. And, and they're, they're going to need Chris Bryant to step up and, and, and be a star in a couple of star moments, I think, if they hope to get past the Dodgers in this postseason, because he's he's another guy that they really haven't seen a whole lot of, at least as a giant. I, too, agree that you have to just roll with Chris Bryant. He is talented. He is, uh, you know, he is a former MVP. You have to go with a guy who has that kind of history. And I had a hunch, okay? I just, you know, I was just spitballing, looking things up, and I haven't written about this yet. So Chris Bryant in September, he hit 245 with a 353 on base percentage, a 347 slugging percentage. That's a 700 OPS. Not great. Not the Chris Bryant that we know. Uh, it got worse as the season ended. Uh, so I looked up what he did in 2016. He hit 221 in September with a 296 on base percentage and a 375 slugging percentage. He was worse in 2016. That's the year that the Cubs won the World Series, of course. And they couldn't just say, well, we can't play Chris Bryant. No, he was like their best player. Of course, you're going to play Chris Bryant. I think it's the same situation. You just have to assume he's going to figure it out, that he's not this bad. He has not unearthed a new level of, of you know, poor hitting. You just have to go with Chris Bryant. Yeah. And, you know, he obviously had a great year overall in 2016. That is a little surprising. I didn't realize that he struggled as much down the stretch as he did. But, um, you know, you get into the, the NLDS and, and you know, I, I think back to 
the inning that everyone wants to forget. And who let off the the ninth inning for for the Cubs uh, in Game Four when they came back and scored eighty bazillion runs when they were behind five to two? It was Chris Bryant, and he hit a single off of Derek Law, and he got that whole thing started. So, um, you know, clearly. Uh, you know, he was able to deliver uh, in, in that moment. It's not like he scalded the ball. And, and that's the biggest thing. I mean, he's still working good plate appearances. He's still getting on base. Um, but the the power hasn't been there. The extra base power hasn't really been there over the last, uh, you know, three or four weeks at least, and, and maybe going back a little further. So um, being able to do damage in spots where, where it's really crippling to your opponent and that, that's that's part of what why Chris Bryant is here, and it hasn't really been part of of his game with the Giants here lately. And there's probably a spot or two where where you know the Giants are going to really be relying on that if they hope to move on. So I, I, yeah, I, but I I don't know if they've always had good alternatives. That's that's one of the secrets to winning 107 games is when someone's not going well or when someone gets hurt, there's always someplace else you can turn. And do they turn somewhere else? I, I, I'm not sure they do. Uh, it may just be up to Chris Bryant to come up with some big moments. Let's see. We talked about last week Logan Webb versus Kevin Gossman. I think we both went uh, on, we were both on the same page insofar as we thought Logan Webb would be the game one starter. He is the game one starter. That doesn't surprise anybody. And I think that the biggest factor is that the Dodgers looked really comfortable, really familiar with Kevin Gosman. They've seen a lot of Gosman. Uh, I don't think they've seen Webb as much, and they certainly haven't seen this version of Webb as much. And so you're going to want him not just in a game one, but a potential game five. Yeah, well, that's that's a, you know that's a big key. And, and it, it, they're showing a lot of confidence in him. And I, I think they probably should based on what they, they've seen. And also... You know, they had a chance to move Kevin Gosman's last startup. They didn't do it. Um, they've kind of been saying behind the scenes that, you know, he's he's not exactly running on fumes. In fact, his stuff is ticking up a little bit. But, you know, they know they're going to get more performance out of him at this stage if they can give him more rest. And also, I think, you know, if you're looking to see who has a chance to go deeper in a game at this point and give you quality work the whole time they're out there, uh, it's probably Logan Webb, and if if you are looking at a situation where you might be going shorter with a starter, who you're going to ask to you know uh, maybe grind a little harder and, and go a little less innings, one one or two less innings, then it might make sense for Gossman to be the game two starter because then you can throw as much bullpen as you want, and you're going to have you know a travel workout day the next day. So um, it definitely makes a lot of sense for them to go this way. Um, and you know, if it's a game five, everything will be on the table. Uh, if they do get that far, uh, if both these teams get that far, I should say. But um, yeah, it's it's going to be a big time, uh, you know, sort of heart rate check for Logan Webb. He's never pitched in this kind of environment before. Um, but they're 18 and two in his last 20 starts, and and I think you have to derive a lot of confidence from that, um, and and trust that hey, you know, he he came out and he did what he had to do in a big start against the Padres that really felt like a postseason game, even though it it, it wasn't, and. Uh, um, you know that he's going to be ready for to handle this 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 uh, very anxiety crippling moment. <laughs> I have for a everyone. wacky theory. Oh, yeah, you know what? It's not. It boy, it ain't going to be easy. It ain't going to be easy for us too. We're we're juggling some uh, sharp narratives here. You know, we we can poke our eye out with these things. It's uh it's going to be pretty intense. I have a wacky theory about the Dodgers where it just feels like they when you can eliminate a variable with a pitcher when you can say look. I know that Jake McGee is going to throw fastballs. 
and that they prepare for that, that they are able to overcome whatever he's doing right a little bit easier when they know that something is coming. And with, with Gosman, you have, look, he's going to throw a fastball up or he's going to throw a splitter down. They can adjust to that. They eliminate variables. And I know Gosman's splitter is, is ticking up as well, but they just seem to do better when it's a little bit more of a binary uh, uh, kind of set that they can look at. And Logan Webb offers a lot of different looks. He can get you out with a sinker, the changeup, and the slider. And I think that's what's going to make him a little bit tougher against the Dodgers. Yeah, and I think if his sinker was just a regular two-seamer, I mean, this is a team that just has so much loft. They're the only team that can really loft the ball along with the Giants this season. And in fact, the Giants kind of just copied what the Dodgers do in a lot of ways hitting-wise. But um, you look at Will Smith. Will Smith never hits a ground ball. He might be the have the highest fly ball to ground ball ratio of anybody in the major league. And, and that's what this whole game has been about the last, you know, six or seven years is, is scooping up those low pitches and putting them in the seats. But Logan Webb's sinker is different. It's got so much run to it. And it's just crazy how much break it has, not just vertical break, but also horizontal break. And that's a tough pitch to try to square up. And he really seems to have a lot of command for it. Just got a, got away from him from one inning in San Diego three starts ago. But other than that, he's just been so good and been around the strike zone and worked so efficiently. And that's the toughest thing, I think, is not only to try to tame this Dodger lineup, but to try to do it in a way where you're not using a lot of pitches is a really hard thing to do. And if anybody looks equipped to do that on some level, it would be Logan Webb based on his performance over the last uh, three or four months, really. Uh, this is kind of a lightning round since we're almost out of time. Uh, it looks to me like there's really one roster fight for a 26-man roster in the NLDS, and it's between Alex Dickerson and Steven Duggar. Uh, you know what you're getting with Duggar. You're getting defense. You're getting athleticism. You're getting speed. You're getting that ability to, to steal a base in the late innings. With Dickerson, you get thump from the left side. He actually had a pretty good September uh, where he had an on-base percentage of 380 or something with a little bit of power. So it's not as cut and dried as maybe some fans might think it is. Who are you putting on that roster against the Dodgers? Which one do you think matches up better? Yeah, you know, I really do think that Alex Dickerson has sorted a few things out. Uh, you look at his at bats in, Fres or in Fresno, oh, in Sacramento, and, um, <laughs> you know, his swing looks better. He doesn't look as sort of uh, kind of stiff in his setup. Um, but, uh, yeah, I think you have to go with the versatility here. I think you have to go with somebody who can bring you some late-inning defense. Um, you know, I don't think you want to be, you know, to have Jake McGee out there trying to protect a, a three to two lead in the ninth inning and have Chris Bryant in center field. I, I think you really need to have um, uh, Steven Duggar out there and, and maybe he comes up in a big spot to pinch run uh, as well. Um, I just think there's a lot more utility that he can give you. And I mean, Alex Dickerson has done a lot to help reestablish the cred of this Giants offense, not just this year, but last year. Uh, and, and maybe there'll be a place for him in the postseason. Hey, Michael Morse wasn't on the DS roster in 2014, and all he did was, uh, was um, you know, help to win the, the pennant and, and then get the tie-breaking RBI in Game 7 RBI, of a World yeah. Series, right? So uh, it, it's not to say that, that you're totally left in the dust if you don't make this DS roster, and I'm sure it'll be tough news for whoever doesn't make it. But, yeah, I think objectively you have to look at Duggar, and he can do more things for you. I think the funny thing about our jobs, and, you know, we're sitting here yammering about what might happen what could happen, what should happen. And we, we cover a team that won the World Series with Ryan Terrio scoring the winning run as the <laughs> DH. 
Ryan Terrio, the DH, scored the winning run in the 2012 World Series. So who knows what in the heck's going to happen? I don't know. Tyro Estrada is going to steal six bases. Why is he on the roster? I don't know. That's the postseason for you. Ooh, you should do a Sporkle quiz. Giants World Series DHs. You'd have Sean Dunstan in there. You'd have Suyoshi Shinjo in there. It's almost like a a comedy routine. Oh, my gosh. That is a good Sporkle quiz idea. I'm going to get right on that. But until then, this has been episode 168 of the Bags and Frisbee podcast. We will be back on, gosh, Monday. So thanks for listening, and we will see you then.